3: From KQED.
1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco, where the high for today is expected to hit 86 degrees. Other parts of the state are hitting triple digits, and it doesn't seem to be getting any cooler soon. The heat wave forecasters expected to end today is persisting through the end of the week. Here to tell us more is meteorologist with the Golden Gate Weather Service, Jan Knoll. Hi, Jan.
4: Good morning. Nice to speak with you.
1: Yeah. Nice to speak with you, too. Jan, tell me, this isn't normal in September, right? I mean, 90 plus in the city, 115 plus in other parts of the Bay. What's going on?
4: Well, actually, you know, in in San Francisco, September is the warmest month uh, historically. And our our all-time record from a few years ago was 106. That was also in September. So but Mm. to have an extended heat wave like this is unusual. We had originally thought that sort of today would be the last really lots of triple digits around day. I think we're going to probably have to add one or two more days onto that for most of the Bay Area and then also into the Central Valley and uh, even down through most of the South State as well.
1: Okay. And so you say it's not abnormal for it to be warm in September, but it seems like the numbers over this last few days were particularly high. Uh, Why is that happening?
4: Well, the, the area of, of high pressure that has, sh- has shifted over us over this past few days and is going to continue probably into Thursday uh, for most areas puts, puts a lid on any circulation. So number one, it cuts off our natural air conditioning, the sea breeze, and it just allows those temperatures to kind of keep rising and rising. Uh, this morning's uh, temperatures at 6 a.m. were three to five degrees warmer than they were at this time yesterday. So we don't need any more heating for the day to end up being a couple degrees warmer in places.
1: And what can people do to stay cool?
4: Well, I I've really spoiled in that uh, I live in Half Moon Bay, so it's going to get to be seventy five here today. It, and everyone came to the coast yesterday. It was total gridlock at nine o'clock last night um, along Highway One. Um, but you know, um, keep keep their houses closed closed up as long as possible to to remain. Um, as much cooling as they can um if you know if they need to cool it down with ac or something do that early in the day uh, we're, we're back into flex alert for between 4 and 9 p.m. so you know there is is the need not to cool then and then you know at night um, open up windows and things and let what cooling that there is somewhat limited i know to help out to get you ready for the next day
1: Right. You know, in San Francisco, many of the buildings here don't have AC, and that actually is true probably across the state. I know in Central Valley, especially in unincorporated communities, homes don't have AC. So I'm wondering, with people who have no way to escape this heat or have limited options, is this dangerous?
4: Oh, it it, it is absolutely dangerous. And the the highest numbers we see for weather-related fatalities come from heat waves, in widespread areas where you again people can't recover from the heat, especially when it stays warm like it is overnight, and so that's why uh, many municipalities have set up cooling centers and places where people can get and get out of their hottest environment and at least get get some relief to bring bring their bodies back down to some sense of normalcy.
1: That was meteorologist with the Golden Gate Weather Service, Jan Knoll. Two people have died and hundreds of residents around the town Weed remain under evacuation orders because of the Mill Fire burning in Siskiyou County. Jefferson Public Radio's Eric Newman reports.
0: Usually the horizon around Weed is dominated by Mount Shasta, a 14,000-foot Goliath looming east of this town of around 2,800 residents. But over the weekend, the mountain was eclipsed by thick wildfire smoke. The Mill Fire started on Friday afternoon near the Roseburg Forest Products Mill site. Strong winds drove it north through several rural communities in a matter of hours. Roseanne Wallace lives in Lake Shastina. She and family members camped in their truck during the fire. On Saturday, she was riding her bicycle into the evacuation zone to see what was still standing. Wallace has lived in the area for 21 years. Her house is okay, but this is the second year in a row that she's had to leave because of a fire.
3: A year ago, we were evacuated for four days because of the lava fire. And we had three days to get ready. This time, we had three hours.
0: During a community meeting in Montague on Sunday, Siskiyou County Sheriff Jeremiah LaRue confirmed that the fast-moving, wind-driven fire had left two people dead.
2: I can confirm that we have two fatalities. Some of you may have already heard of that or heard rumors of that. There's no easy way of putting that.
0: Preliminary numbers suggest that up to 100 structures have been partially or completely destroyed between Weed and Lake Shastina, according to LaRue. The cause of the fire is still under investigation.
1: That was Jefferson Public Radio's Eric Newman reporting from Siskiyou County. California lawmakers last week approved a plan to extend the life of the state's last nuclear power plant, Diablo Canyon. Many are applauding the legislature's decision to keep its carbon-free energy on the grid. But it's had mixed reactions in San Luis Obispo County, where the plant sits. KCBX's Benjamin Perper reports.
2: Diablo Canyon was scheduled to close in 2025, but it could now stay open until 2030. While plenty of lawmakers and environmentalists in Slow County have wanted this for years, others are a little more skeptical. Congressman Salud Carbajal is one of them. He supports the legislature's plan, but he has concerns. The right decision in a crisis, if made without adequate outreach and thought, can still be a wrong one. Carbajal has repeatedly called on the state and PG&E to be more transparent and communicative about the process, from support for the workforce to upgrades to the facility to a timeline for relicensing. He also wants the utility to be more open about how it disposes of nuclear waste. I have made it clear that consistent outreach to the central coast on the safety and environmental concerns was necessary to accompany this proposed extension. Carbajal also says he wants to make sure that keeping Diablo Canyon open won't jeopardize other renewable energy projects in the area, especially the development of offshore wind off the coast of Morro Bay, just 30 miles north. We can't begin reversing climate change until we successfully transition to renewable energy. Residents' feelings on Diablo Canyon have been mixed here since the beginning, when construction began in the late 1960s. One outspoken local group is called San Luis Obispo Mothers for Peace, which wants to see the plant shut down as soon as possible. After the vote, the organization issued a statement saying they were stunned by the decision.
1: So every day I look south And pray that nothing happens at Diablo Canyon, seven miles from my home.
2: That's Carol Hisaswe with Mothers for Peace. She moved here from Tokyo, Japan in 2006. She says after the 2011 nuclear disaster in Fukushima, her fear of the plant got even worse.
1: The longer a nuclear power plant stays in operation, the greater the risk of an accident, equipment failure, or terrorist attack causing a release of radiation.
2: But on the opposite side of the nuclear debate here is an organization with a similar name, Mothers for Nuclear. Heather Hoff is an employee at Diablo Canyon and co-founded the group in 2016 during the original negotiations to shut the plant down. While she says she's not speaking on behalf of her employer, PG&E, she agrees with the decision to keep Diablo Canyon open. She says there is inherent risk with any energy source, including nuclear, but...
3: It's obvious that that risk is way less than that of you know, extreme weather from climate change and that of like, even other energy sources, especially
2: fossil fuels. She says that risk is worth it and that between energy shortages in the near term and the impacts of climate change in the long term, nuclear energy is still necessary and worth preserving.
3: Nuclear energy is my hope for the future. It's my hope for how we survive as humanity on this planet.
2: PG&E still has to go through a federal relicensing process to keep Yablo Canyon open until 2030. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Luis Obispo.
1: On Friday, Frank Drake, the radio astronomer who dreamed of finding life on other planets, passed away at his home near Santa Cruz. He was 92. KQED science reporter Daniel Venton has this remembrance.
3: As a child, Frank Drake wondered about life on other planets. But he mostly kept these thoughts quiet. The search for extraterrestrial life was associated with crackpot science. The subject was taboo. Don't even talk about this. It'll ruin your career, he was told. Undaunted, 60 years ago, as a young astronomer, he pointed a radio telescope in Greenbank, West Virginia, at two nearby stars. He didn't find alien signals, but instead of being ridiculed, denied tenure, or burned at the academic stake, Drake was admired as a visionary he almost single-handedly turned the pursuit of looking for life on other planets into a respectable field of science. During his 50-year career, Drake also calculated the surface temperature of Venus, discovered layers of Jupiter's atmosphere, designed interplanetary messages that are now careening through space on golden records, and he wrote his namesake formula, which estimates the number of civilizations in the universe, known as the Drake Equation. I knew Frank Drake because I went to graduate school with his daughter when we were both studying science journalism. As a class assignment, I wrote a profile about him. But so much had already been written about his life. He told me the New York Times showed him a draft of his obituary when he visited the offices. So I wanted to tell something new, if I could. I found he loved raising orchids and cutting gems, and that he was proudest of work that hadn't made headlines. He served for a time as an electronics officer in the Navy on the USS Albany. He noticed black people on the ship were unfailingly assigned kitchen duty, so he pushed for some of his shipmates' admittance to the Naval Electronics School. He also took pride in being a mentor and being able to comfort people who were distraught. He was often approached as a father figure. He partially attributed this to having white hair since his mid-twenties. Once, he took a loaded gun out of someone's hand. That experience inspired him to train as a crisis intervention counselor. He took calls at a suicide prevention line every month for 10 years. He told me those were some of the best hours of work of my life, and that he never lost any of his callers. His wife, Amal Drake, told me that while the public will remember him for his science, for her his legacy will be his humor, his gentleness, and his affection. For the California Report, I'm Danielle Venton. for the california report comes from personal capital providing people with financial tools like the retirement planner to help them achieve their financial goals personalcapital.com the james irvine foundation committed to a california where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically learn more at irvine.org and eric and wendy schmidt whose philanthropy includes schmidt ocean institute Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at SchmidtOcean.org.
1: And that's the California Report for Tuesday, September 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
3: That's right, a dollar and ninety nine cents. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. Hey QED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more.